a few weeks ago, just right after Christmas, um, on Wednesday, my, it was a Wednesday, and my dad and I went out to our recycle depot, and we dropped off a bunch of the church's cardboard. Um, and then as we were coming back, I felt God just randomly speak to me. And he said, are you playing to win, or are you playing not to lose? I'll just say that again. Are you playing to win, or are you playing not to lose? And then after he said that, it's like, and it's a weird thing when sometimes God speaks to you. It's hard to explain, but sometimes you just get a massive download of information near instantaneously. And he just started to bring up all sorts of different aspects of my life. And it was honestly like a, a very profound revelation, probably one of the most profound revelations of my life. And uh, so many things just started clicking together. Uh, recent history, long past history, stuff like that. And it was, yeah, the next day, the, the next morning after that, uh, that we just had a kind of a crazy day of revelation. And uh, even it was just continuing even more and more for me that day. So this is where that came from. And I just want to unpack uh, what that phrase means and then also kind of reference scripture and then eventually apply this to our lives. And uh, anyways, as God was speaking to me, he made various analogies and some of the ones that were kind of in, in, in the present um, had to do with sports. Now, uh, I know some of you might not like sports, but basically the overarching theme of the messages that God was talking to me about was all about adversity. And what sports really is, is that it's basically like a theater that we set up to purposely create adversity. And then we're entertained by watching people struggle or triumph in a theater of adversity we've created. So if you've ever been through adversity, um, these various analogies can definitely connect with you and you can learn something from them. And uh, yeah, just right around this time, right after Christmas, there was a big tournament on that I watch uh, every year. My dad will often watch it as well, uh, the World Junior Championship. And why I watch that is because Canada usually wins, about half the time anyway. So it's a really good, really good time to be a fan because you actually have a really good chance of winning. Um, but anyways, it's a tournament for kids that are under the age of 20. And there's 10 teams throughout the world that participate. And my father and I were so bored that we were watching a game between Finland and Germany. I don't think we have any Finnish or German in our genes, but honestly, we were just bored. There's really not a whole lot to do during this pandemic. So we were watching a game between Finland and Germany. And uh, just for some context, Finland is kind of like middle of the pack. They can win some years. Uh, or they can get fourth, fifth, or sixth, or something like that. And so they're, they're somewhat middle of the pack. Versus uh, Germany, it was kind of fighting for its spot even in that tournament. And so they're more of like in fighting for eighth, ninth, tenth position. So they're quite the underdog in, uh, in this game. And this is what God's reminding me of, that I just watched this game a few days ago. And I remember as we were watching this game, we were like, wow, Germany's playing really well, even though they're the underdog. And it was impressive the amount of um, effort they were putting in and how aggressive they were. And just, yeah, they were trying so hard. And they ended up losing 5-3, to three, but we were, we were just very impressed. It was like, good on Germany. Like, they were against a favored team, yet they came to play. And they had a very valiant effort. Then the next day, happened to be Germany playing Canada. And as we watched this game, and by the way, as I was mentioning, Canada's an absolute juggernaut at hockey. If you didn't know that, I don't know what country you live in. So anyways, Germany's playing Canada. 
And I was excited for this game because I was like, again, I don't need to get all stressed about this game. I was like, we're going to win. It's great. Um, but anyways, we expected the Germans were going to put the same amount of effort in. They were going to put this valiant effort. They were going to be aggressive. They're going to play fast and hard. That's what we assumed. And we're like, at least it'll be entertaining anyways. But as we're watching this game, we're like, what happened to this team? It is not the same team as it was the day before. They're playing super, super conservatively, no longer all that aggressive. They seem to be a lot slower. Uh, all sorts of things they excelled at the day before they were messing up. And they were so withdrawn and timid and slow. And we were like, what is going on here? And uh, Canada won that game 16-2. to two. And Canada actually had more goals than Germany had shots, which is an extremely rare thing to ever happen in hockey. And we were just stunned. How could that happen? Why is it, is it the same team a day later? What's going on here? Anyway, so that was a memory, one of the first memories that God had brought back when he said to me, are you playing to win or are you playing not to lose? Remember, he brought back that feeling of being stunned. What was the difference there? So I went, I, when we got back to the church, I googled that phrase, playing to win versus playing not to lose. And this is what kind of came up here. It says, playing to win is an intensification of effort. It's, it's a continuous risk-taking because you believe you have a fighting chance to win. Your primary focus is on what you can gain from winning, and this puts an extra wind in your sails, an extra energy. Versus playing not to lose is a lessening of effort. It's an aversion to risk-taking. It's a desperation to avoid making mistakes at all costs. And all of this comes from a lack of belief in having a fighting chance. The primary focus when you're playing not to lose is that you're, you're afraid of failure. You have a fear of failure, and that's your primary motivator. You're so scared of loss, and it just takes a wind right out of your sails. You, you don't want to be embarrassed. You're basically just playing, we just need to batten down the hatches and survive. And the thing is, this, this mindset, uh, this way of playing, is actually completely paradoxical because it actually worsens your performance. You're so scared about messing up or so scared about things going wrong, you actually contribute more to that happening than you do towards things um, going well. See, this over-focus on failure just kills your momentum, and it just impedes your progress. As I began to research this phenomenon, I found out that it's like a huge area of research, a huge field of study. And, it, and not just really in sports, but just life in general. How your mentality, how your psychology affects your performance, how it affects your success. And it'll even affect your physiology, which basically means your, your physical biology. Right down to like uh, hormone levels and all that kind of stuff. So it's just this huge, huge field of study. If you believe you can win or succeed versus if you think you're probably going to lose, that's going to have a massive effect on all sorts of aspects of, of your life. And th yeah, this comes into play with sports and business, uh, dating relationships, raising kids, uh, education, taking tests, all sorts of things like that. Entrepreneurialism, it's just going to have a drastic effect. When you believe you can win or you're kind of like batting down the hatches, I might lose here. And as I'm looking at all this data uh, through my Christian lens, my Christian goggles, I thought, my goodness, we actually have all sorts of science that proves that faith exists and faith makes a difference in your life, especially in the face of adversity. 
And just to tie a bow on my, my previous um, mentioned sports analogy, I think the answer to why Germany played far better against Finland versus Canada is, is against Finland, they thought they had a fighting chance. They had faith that maybe they could win. And it, it, that gave them an extra wind in their sails. They played far more you know, a- aggressively and you know, full of excitement thinking, I think we can win. We have a chance here. But against Canada, against you know, this juggernaut of hockey, they thought, oh, there's no chance. And instead they focused on trying to prevent being embarrassed. And they played extremely conservatively. And instead they really just actually helped their nightmare come true and they got epically trounced. So this morning I want to look at some scripture. I want to look at some stories of faith. And specifically from Matthew 8. And, and this is... Uh, also, what God kind of spoke to me in that, that download, that, that moment that I was having with him. And he brought this story from Matthew 8 to mind. And what I want to do this morning is kind of look at both scripture and even uh, some more science, just to show faith will make a difference in your life. Believing that you can win, believing that you can triumph in the face of adversity is going to have a dramatic effect in the natural realm, but also the supernatural realm as well. So this story that God reminded me of in the Bible is of the Roman centurion. And he's interacting with Jesus. And I'll unpack various facets of this story after we go through it here. So Matthew 8, 5 through 13. It says, when Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. I know this because I'm under the authority of my superior officers, and I have authority over my soldiers. I only only need to say, go, and they go, and come, and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, and, and then they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. And I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from east and west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast of the kingdom of heaven. But many Israelites, those who the kingdom was prepared, will be thrown into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the Roman officer, go back home, because you believed it has happened. And the young servant was healed that same hour. You see, God reminded me of this story. And he said, Chris, I want you to have faith that's this bold, that's as bold as the Roman officer's faith was. And he said, I want your faith to even be audacious. And what that word audacious means is it's showing a willingness to take surprisingly bold risks. A secondary definition would be that it's boldness. Um, the, this boldness, it, it come, it's so kind of like loud that it's like shocking. It comes across even to some as like irrespective or even kind of rude. It's just so bold. And I believe that God wants us to have such a bold faith during this time that it's actually kind of shocking. He wants us to have this faith that it actually gives very little consideration to the opposition that we're facing. It gives very little consideration to the adversity that we're facing. The belief is so big that it's just just far bigger than the circumstance we're facing. Just for some context on this story of why his faith was so audacious... So he's a Roman, and he's a part of the army that's, that's occupying Israel. 
And he heard, he heard there's this Jesus guy that's going around doing miracles. And so he finds him and he walks into a crowd of people that hate him. People that he's probably thrown their relatives in jail or even executed them. He doesn't know the Jewish scriptures. He's not a disciple. He hasn't been following Jesus around. But he walks into this group with both boldness and humility at the same time. And he makes a very impressively big statement of faith. He said, Jesus, you don't even have to come to my house and lay hands on my servant. You just need to say the word and they're going to be healed. He recognized Jesus had this supreme authority. He had this power over sickness. Jesus, you just need to say the word. The thing is, he spoke with more faith than the disciples did. They had never seen Jesus do that. They'd never seen him heal someone that was far away just by saying the word. And here's this Roman centurion that's kind of coming out of nowhere, walking in the middle of their group, and he's making a declaration of faith that's above their own. And it's just, imagine just the hush that came over the crowd of how stunned they were. Imagine the disciples turning to each other and say, who does this guy think he is? This Roman. There's no way he could have a revelation above our own. Why would Jesus even help this guy anyways? So you notice in that scripture we read that Jesus has to take a moment and say, you know what, my kingdom is for everybody. There's going to be all sorts of people from the east and the west going to be a part of my kingdom. And a bunch of Jewish people, a bunch of Israelites, they're actually going to miss it. He had to kind of just deal with the prejudice that was in the room at that moment. And he just completely rocked the socks off the disciples by saying, you know what, this is the best faith I've seen yet. I've never seen this kind of faith in all of Israel. And sure enough, that Roman centurion's servant was healed. And Jesus particularly mentioned why he was healed, and it's because of your faith. You know, I feel like right in the middle of this mess, we could use that kind of audacious faith. I feel that God wants us to have this bold, bold faith and just to believe in his plan and his power like never before. I believe it's time to believe for big things. See, in the natural, this does not make any sense. Not, not in the least. But I believe God wants us to believe for big things. And I believe we're going to have to fight for that. It's not going to be easy because the whole world is a mess right now. And so many things are going to be flooding into your brain, into your soul, just weighing you down. But we have to fight for this belief that we can win. We need to maintain at all costs this audacious mindset that God can do great things, that he can come through, that something amazing can happen in the middle of this crazy mess. Believe we're to have this faith that is irrespective and even rude to all what the enemy has done to try to mess us up here. I think he's put a lot of work into this project of his that's trying to mess up the whole world here. Trying to weigh you down. He's pulling out every, every one of his tricks. But you know what? We're going to look past that and believe that God is bigger and he is greater. And I believe that with this mindset, if we can fight for this mindset and retain this kind of a mindset and have faith and walk in this kind of faith, this big faith, that this is going to put an extra gas in our tank a wind in our sails. We were actually kind of singing about it today. When Jesus becomes king of your heart, you know, it's, it's the wind in your sails as the song was singing, and it's the fire that's in your veins. It's the anchor when you're in, in, with wind. That's what, we're, that's what we're believing for. That's what we want God to be like. We want to walk around with fire in our veins. We want to walk around with wind in our sails. We want to be 
We want to be so steady that no matter the wind, no matter the craziness, that we're anchored in the right place. So if we can fight for that kind of a mindset, I, I think, I believe, Scripture, that's what happens. The Holy Spirit shows up and he aids you like never before. So the first point in my sermon is that faith or a lack of faith makes a difference. Again, as I was mentioning, at the end of this story, Jesus specifically says why his servant was able to be healed. It says, because you believed, it has happened. This is a very common theme all throughout Scripture. When you have faith, God can do amazing things. In Mark 10, there's a blind beggar, and he's calling out to Jesus and says, please heal me, I want to see. I want to see. Jesus comes by him and says, go for your faith has healed you. Mark 11, Jesus is teaching, he says, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. This is all throughout scripture. Belief is important, faith is important. The thing is, the opposite is true as well. A lack of faith can really inhibit the moving of God. It can inhibit what he wants to actually do in your life. And the thing is, often during times of testing, we move very counterintuitively. A lot of people do. We've seen it time and time again. During times of testing, you would think you need your faith more than ever before. You need God more than ever before. But oddly enough, people tend to do the opposite. And they get down in the dumps and they just kind of lay all that down. And then they lose the opportunity to triumph in the middle of, it, of, it, of adversity. And that's no good. So here is this adversity we're facing. And if we want to triumph, we're going to need to hold on to our faith. Like never before. Faith is even more important than ever before. One of uh, my favorite audacious scriptures I'll read as well here. This comes from James 1. I like reading James, actually, because he's, he's uh, very to the point. He just comes out and says a lot of great stuff, actually. But anyways, this is James 1, uh, chapter 2. Just reading a few verses here. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind. That's an audacious statement. That's not my default setting. When I'm facing trials, I don't think this is joyous. I'm happy about this. I'm not. <laughs> I'm mad. I'm upset. Get down in the dumps when you're facing trials. James says, consider it pure joy. That's audacious faith right there. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. That's really kind of cutting right there. It says, if you believe, you'll receive, but if you don't, you're not getting anything. And I'll, I'll tell you why. Scripture will reveal that to, to us as well. In one of the most famous chapters of the Bible all about faith, Hebrews 11, it says this very famously in verse 6. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. God loves you no matter what, but he's not always pleased with you because sometimes you don't have faith. And without faith, he can't do anything really with you. Faith is kind of the gas in our tank that'll take us where we want to go, where we need to go. So it's very cut and dry scripturally. 
If you want to change the situation, if you want to experience triumph over adversity, you're going to need faith, you're going to need belief. We need to believe that we can win. We always need to have that mindset that we constantly have a fighting chance to win. We have to have that mindset that we're playing to win, we're in it to win it. And if you retain that mindset, it's going to put you in a position for God to use you, for God to show up supernaturally, to put that fire in your veins, to put that wind in your sails. And the beautiful thing is, is that not only does it affect you supernaturally, but it affects you naturally as well. And again, as I was reading, I was like, oh my goodness, like, all this science is showing faith is real. And I found, I found all sorts of studies that show this phenomenon of when you believe what happens to you, even in the natural realm. When you have that, that desire of I'm playing to win versus I'm playing not to lose. I think science continually proves scripture, which is amazing, which is amazing. And so here's a few non-kind of spiritual examples that show the power of belief and the power of doubt. So one of them is in 2011 in the Air Force Academy in the States. Some of the leadership of the school was worried about their struggling students. Some of the ones that were underachieving academically. And so they came up with this idea to try to help their underachieving students. So the way the Air Force Academy and actually a lot of the military academies are run is that you're put into a squadron, a little squad, a little group when you get there. And you're with them all the time. Like, uh, you're with them in, in your classes. You're with them in your extracurricular activities. Uh, you'd even stay with them. All your time is built in this squad. So they, they thought, you know what, we're going to rearrange our squads and we're going to put the highest achievers, the best, the best and the brightest, in the same squad as those that are really, really struggling academically, the underachievers. And they're like, and we're hoping what's going to happen is that these underachievers are going to be motivated, they're going to be inspired by these high achievers, and they're going to really pull up their bootstraps, and they're going to, they're going to grow academically. They're going to be, you know, become better soldiers. So that was the experiment. Now, it, it turned out, actually, that the, the complete opposite happened. You put the underachievers with the high overachievers, and what happened is they just completely lost their confidence. It cratered. They were continually reminded of how far they were behind, how they had no chance at really being the best. They had no chance of really standing out in the, in, you know, in the Air Force. Probably weren't going to make it to any of the top positions. Weren't going to get any of the scholarships. Weren't going to get the highest mark on a test. And so their confidence, yeah, just plummeted and plummeted, and they got worse and worse and worse in that atmosphere. And so the experiment was kind of called off, and it was seen as this utter failure. And they were kind of down in the dumps of, all oh, that really backfired. We wanted to help these people, and we actually just made it far worse for them. And they thought, well, that's the end of that. But then they actually uh, noticed that in all the groups that weren't a part of the experiment, the groups that were made up of all of the average students, so remember, they took the high... The, the high achievers out, they took a low achievers out. So what was left was just a group, a bunch of groups made up of people that were all average, average students, average soldiers. And they found there was a, there was a dramatic uptick in all of their, their performance all across the board. All of them were doing way better academically than they were before. And they were like, what happened here? And so they began to study those groups, and they find 
that why all these students started to do way better is all of them believed that they could be the best in their class, they could be the best in their squad. All of them realized when they looked around and said, you know what, I have a fighting chance to win. I have, the, I have a fighting chance to be the best in my squad. And so they put in the extra effort. They were inspired by the chance of winning, and they tried a lot harder. It's fueled a better performance. Another experiment was done out of Princeton University. There was a bunch of freshman students, first-year students, brand new to the university, 124 of them. They were split into two groups, and they were both uh, kind of given this test. The first group was told, this test is, is, is going to be very, very hard. In fact, it's going to show you if you really belong here at Princeton University. This is gonna, it's going to separate the contenders from the pretenders. It's going to expose you, that, those of you that don't really belong here at this university. It's going to be one of the hardest tests you've written in your life. The second group was told, you're among the best and brightest students in the entire nation. We believe you're, you're capable of doing anything academically. So we've given you this hard test, but we, but we believe you, you've got what it takes. You can do this. So anyways, after the, the test answers were recorded, the first group that was where they seeded doubt into the minds of the students and told them this, and they, they really just dialed up the pressure, they had a 72% average on that test. The group that they told them that they believed in them and that they could beat this test, they had a 92% success rate. All freshman students, but... 20% difference based on their psychological mindset. Here's the, another the final example here. Uh, this is a sports one. This is a phenomenon that shows up uh, continually. It's been studied for decades and decades in the oldest game in, that we know of, the soccer. So when the soccer game is tied, they go to a shootout. They go to penalty kicks. What that is is you basically take turns one player at a time has a free shot on the net. You're about um, 11 meters away, 36 feet, 12 yards. And this setup actually greatly favors the shooter. Just, just with physics alone, um, and someone that's professional at soccer, they, they should be able to kick the ball hard enough and fast enough uh, and, and in, into the corners of the net. And uh, the goalie actually really does not have any, any chance to get there. If they can kick the ball hard enough and put it in the right spot, the goalie is just physically incapable of getting to the right spot. So that you would think professional soccer players, they should be able to do this like with their eyes closed. It should be very easy. Uh, they're in a position that greatly favors them. You've seen how big a soccer net is and how small a goalie looks in it. You should be able to score, you would think, all the time. So you put players up to that, that spot and they have to shoot. Now, here's the thing. If you put them in a position where it says, if you score, we win... They're going to score 92% of the time. Now you put them in that same position and say, if you miss, we're going to lose. They're only going to score 62% of the time. Professional soccer players, 30% difference in success, all based on that mindset. What if I win versus what if I lose? One of those greatly affects your performance. One of them greatly decreases it. So these, these scientific findings, they just, again, just remind me so much of Scripture. And there's this very famous story of Jesus and Peter walking on the water. Jesus told his disciples to go ahead across the lake, get in the boat, and he'll catch up. 
And they're out in the lake, they get caught in a storm, and next thing they know, they see Jesus walking on the water, casually, no big deal. And Matthew 14 is where this, uh, one of the accounts of the story is, and Peter says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come on the water. Come, Jesus said. Peter got down out of the boat, walked in the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and he began to sink. And he cried out to the Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, and he caught him, and he said, you of little faith, why did you doubt? So you'll notice there's a difference between when Peter succeeded and when he failed. When he did the supernatural and he walked on water, versus when he sunk like all the rest of us would have. See, the situation was the same no matter what, it was stormy. That didn't affect his ability to walk on water, to experience the supernatural. What did, though, was his doubt. When he had faith, when his eyes were on Jesus, he was fine. He was able to experience the supernatural. He was able to conquer the adversity he was facing. But when instead he began to focus on the adversity he was facing, the wind and the waves, he was no longer interacting with the supernatural. He was no longer interacting with Jesus. And instead, he went right back down to the natural and he sunk. And Jesus very clearly says that that's what happened. He says, Peter, you, know, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? This loss of faith, this doubt, it disrupted his success supernaturally. It disrupted his supernatural abilities. No longer could Jesus come and supernaturally help him because he doubted. So this, that brings us to our point number two. So faith and, or lack thereof is so important. Well, how do we build faith? How do we get more faith? If it's so important, if it can affect us in the natural and the supernatural, how do we get more of it and how do we maintain it? So building and maintaining our faith, that's point number two. Something we desperately need in adversity. If we need anything in adversity, it's faith. It can have a dramatic impact on our success rate. So one of the things that helps people when they're in a stressful situation is they believe in their own abilities. So you're a really, really good hockey player and you're playing for the Stanley Cup and you're saying, no, no, I'm one of the best in the world. I'm good at this. Um, you know, that'll, that'll help them out. But here's this, this amazing advantage that we have in, as Christians. When we're facing adversity, we don't actually have to have faith in our own abilities. You just have to have faith in God's abilities. And that's really audacious right there. So you can be in a situation where you're completely outgunned and outmatched. You're surrounded by all sides. You're ill-equipped inadequate for the situation, yet you can still be completely full of faith. It does not make any sense whatsoever, but you can do it. You can still believe that you have the power to overcome this adversity simply because you believe in the all-powerful God and that God happens to love you very dearly. You're his kid, so you know he's going to come to help you. And when you have that mindset and that kind of adversity, God can show up in amazing ways. Uh, Romans 8, 35 and 37 here says this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger of the sword? No, in all of these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That's another very audacious statement. Throw anything towards us, any adversity our way, no, no, we are more than conquerors. It's like... Basically saying that whatever situation that comes your way, is like, it's like God is so much bigger and better. Not only are we, we going to 
conquer this. We're not just going to skirt by by the skin of our teeth. We're more than conquerors. We're really going to win. That's the faith that's described in Scripture. Not of, I hope I make it. No, I'm going I'm to do well. I'm going to conquer. I'm going to be more than a conqueror. I'm a child of God. I have the power of the Holy Spirit backing me up. That's faith. So this first step in building our faith and and growing in our belief is you have to ensure that you have the right focus. What are you focusing on? Remember when we talked about playing to win versus playing not to lose? The primary focus when you thought you could win was thinking, oh, I could win, and thinking of all the things you could gain if you could win, all that could go right for you, versus when you're playing not to lose. All that you're really focusing on is, oh, batting down the hatches. We just need to get by. We just need to survive. Think of how many people during this pandemic have that mindset. I just need to make, make it through this. The thing is, it just keeps getting longer and longer and longer. And then you just get feeling, oh, I have to go, I have to keep surviving, keep surviving. I don't know how long I can do this. What if you had that, that focus of, no, I'm going to win. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to win. I'm going to succeed. I'm going to come out of this better and stronger. This is a very, very hard fight to, to fight. Fighting for your focus is very, very hard. But the thing is, the, the more you do it, the easier it gets. Pretty well the same as with any other aspect of life. The more you do it, the easier it's going to get. See, Peter let his focus deviate. And because he did that, he sunk. See, in our situations, we're going to be facing all sorts of storms. We're facing a big one right now. Our focus is very heavily tied to our success. If we're focused on God, if, if we're focused on this belief, if we believe that we're more than conquerors, it's really going to help us out. Are our eyes on our own abilities or are, are they on his? Secondly, we need to build up a faith account. We need to fill ourselves with scripture, fill ourselves with faith, it's even stories of faith. Put that deep inside of us. Do you think now if you could have gone back in time prior to the pandemic, and if before that you had been really putting the work in to build your faith, you were really filling up your faith account, think of the difference that would have made in your life. Same thing like in the natural. Let's say that you happened to receive a bunch, a bunch of money right before the pandemic. Your bank account was filled. Think of how much easier this whole pandemic business would have been. You know, you could have spent this whole 10 months in the Caribbean with all the politicians. It would have been easy. Faith works like that. You can actually store it up so it's there when you really, really need it. Many times when adversity shows up, we reach into the bank account of our faith, our faith account, and we find it's empty. And you say, God, why have you forsaken me? Where's the help I need? But what we could have done in hindsight, I was going to say hindsight is 20-20, but obviously that doesn't... That statement is probably it's not going to be a thing anymore. But anyways, when you have that faith in your account, you can reach into it and grab it when you need it. It's there. One of the things God spoke to me last Sunday, I, was just, I think I was walking around to um, turn off the lights. And I don't know why, but God tends to speak to me when I'm not really doing anything. I think it's because my mind is like just in autopilot. Like when we're just driving back from dropping off cardboard or I'm walking to turn off lights. He said this. He said, faith is the currency of God's economy. You can store up faith as a currency so you can spend it when you need it. Use it when you need it. 
So one of the ways, obviously, is, is memorizing Scripture. And this is a thing right out of the Bible. I think what's so funny is that the longest chapter in the Bible, Psalm 119, is all about why you should read the Bible. It's pretty hilarious. Famous verse, um, verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So when you store up, store up Scripture, it's going to keep you on the right path. Honestly, when God is speaking to me, he's going to speak to me through the Scripture that I have memorized, more often than not. So the more of, you, more of that you have, the more God can speak to you. Even if you have like very quickly accessible stories of faith, where God came through in your life, or someone else's even, probably better if they're your own. If you have those that are quickly accessible. No, 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 I remember when so-and-so went through a situation like this, God came through. Or no, this is nothing compared to what I've walked through before, God's going to come through. If you have that, that you can just go on and latch yourself to that uh, very quickly, that'll help. So um, maybe one of the exercises you should think about doing during this time is actually sit down and either just find a bunch of scripture that's very encouraging and, and work on memorizing that, or just sit down and write down some of your own testimony. Remind yourself of how many times God has come through for you. Mind yourself that God has this amazing winning record that he makes good out of near anything, or really anything. As long as uh, you're following him, he'll find a way to do it. And then maybe if you're feeling really down in the dumps and you're feeling kind of depressed and anxious and uh, just messed up because of this crazy stuff we're facing, go to what you've written or memorized and spend some time refocusing. And again, the, the more you do that, the easier it's going to get. The more you memorize it, you know, the better it's going to get for you. It's a, a faith, uh, it, yeah, it, just, it honestly it works a lot like a, a muscle does, basically. You need to exercise it, you need to grow it, uh, you need to build it up so it's stronger, so it can help you out in, in bigger circumstances, in greater circumstances. And our default setting is when we're experiencing adversity, we go to the doom and gloom and the fear. That's, that's human nature right there. And so we have to work at making our default setting or battling that default setting as much as we can to make faith is where we run to instead of fear. And this takes a while to rewire your brain and to make you know, relying on God your pattern, being full of faith your pattern. Think of it like you have to whip your soul into shape the same way as you would have to physically. It takes time and it takes discipline. But when you have it, it's an amazing asset. Uh, Paul talks about this in a few different portions of Scripture, actually. One of them would be in uh, 1 Corinthians 9. And he equates our faith journey to training like an athlete. Uh, verse 24 through 27 here, it says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the, in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave. So that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. First of all, I like how that language of running to win is in there. If we were talking about it, it's really is all through Scripture. It's amazing. I'm in it to win it. I'm running to win. I'm running to get the prize, and our prize awaits us in heaven. That's an amazing mindset to have. I'm in it to win it. And it will greatly affect you spiritually, 
and, and naturally, when you have that kind of a mindset, I'm here to win. I'm born to win. When I was born again, I was born to win. And I'm going to put the work in to train my faith for real. My body might be like natural, my soul might be naturally lazy. They don't want to put the work in, but I'm going to discipline them. I'm going to discipline them. And I put the work in, and so my faith is going to grow like a muscle, muscle would and get stronger to help me out when I need it. We need to train our souls to focus not on our own strength, not on our own adequacy, but of the amazing strength of God and the adequacy of Him, that in any situation, He's, he's more than adequate for us. And when we do this, especially in... in it, Again, if we could go back a while, it would be great if we were doing this long before we showed up in a pandemic, but you can start now, too. That's okay. But when turmoil is going to come our way, they're going to find us stronger. They're going to find our faith stronger. That's our goal. One more study here. This one was done on pilots uh, in a flight simulator. And a a simulation was was made that was basically uh, the scariest scenario you could come up with. Everything was going wrong for a pilot. And they put all sorts of pilots of all sorts of different um, training and personality types and stuff like that in this same simulation. So the ones that handled it best, actually, that stayed calm and cool and collected despite the crazy situations they were put in time and again, was actually the pilots that had the most training. The pilots that have logged hundreds and hundreds of hours in the, simu- in the simulator. Uh, the ones that have had hundreds and hundreds of hours flying real planes. They did fine. They stayed calm, even though they were given just a a big heaping of adversity. Now, the test did show that some people can naturally handle adversity better than others. Some people's personality and even their biology helps them, uh, you know, in in times of stress. Like, you know, some people are thrill seekers, and they can just get this, this big rush off of doing something. So some people are just like that. And some people can crumble very quickly, and their brain just, just gets overwhelmed when stress comes their way. But the thing is, no matter who they were, biologically and psychologically, physically, if they had put in the work, if they had spent a bunch of time practicing, they would succeed at this scenario. So it showed that it doesn't really matter like, what your natural makeup is, what's in your genes, how good you are at naturally handling stress or not handling stress. When you put in the work, you, you, can, uh, you can handle that adversity. So I believe it's the same thing with faith. Some people might just be a little bit naturally more uh, full of faith than you. They might be a little further down that road than, than you are. They might handle adversity better than you. They might be less of a worrier than, than, than you. But that doesn't disqualify you from having faith and ever being at their level or even honestly far above it. And I don't want you to be discouraged thinking you've got this big mountain to climb and said, oh no, I'd only do well in this circumstance, this pandemic, if I'd put the work in beforehand, if I had years of experience of trusting God and, and really had disciplined you know, um, my brain and my soul and all that kind of stuff. I don't want you to think faith is a mountain that you, that you can't climb. Again, Scripture says if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. That's a pretty amazing... Um, kind of entry-level class into faith. If you can just get to the level of a mustard seed, you can, you can move mountains. And I also want to encourage you to say that, honestly, if you can just work, just start now to work on your focus. What am I focusing on? What am I fixating on? 
Am I continually thinking of batting down the hatches, I just need to survive, I just need to get through this? Or am I thinking, no, I can, I'm more than a conqueror. I have the power of the Holy Spirit in me. I can conquer this. I, I can actually grow from this strange situation. This adversity is not bigger than my God is. Is that your mindset? So if you just start to, to kind of study your own focus and figure out, what am I fixating on? Just start there. And as we were looking at, there's various examples. If you have the right focus, that'll make a 20 to 30% difference in your life. It's a science of faith. If you just have faith even in one moment, it'll be 20 to 30% better. It'll positively affect your success. So start by fighting for your focus. Start there. And that will make a difference right away. Day by day, it's going to start making a difference. You could have a better day from here on out if you said, you know what, I'm not going to get into the doom and gloom mindset. I'm going to believe for big things. Honestly, I would even recommend believe big. Believe really big. And start believing God for really big things. Things that do not make any sense. Things that would come across as a little bit even shocking people on the outside. Thinking, you know, my family can actually get better. My business can get better. Believe for that kind of stuff so God can move. God can use that. That's the gas in your spiritual tank right there. It's the wind in your sails. In conclusion, you know, no one is immune to getting down in the dumps and discouraged. Happens to the best of us, happens to all of us. And we've experienced this kind of chaotic, crazy pandemic with all the messes that have come with it here. And it's gone on 10 months now. And I know like what I was struggling with and what God, why he was speaking this to me at that time, is probably just before New Year's and even a little while after it. Um, I don't know about you, but I've been struggling thinking, oh my goodness, do we have to go through another year of this? Like what a lame New Year's that was, kind of thinking of, here we go again. But it's a very depressing start to the, the new year when you're thinking, oh, here, oh, how, I don't know how much more of this I can take. We're coming up on a full year of this, like... It just takes a huge toll on your mental health. But again, I just believe God is calling us to have audacious faith. And honestly, your situation might not have anything to do with the pandemic. Again, this can apply to any aspect of your life. It could apply to, as a student, if you're in school right now, um, actually I think right now the failure rate is three times higher than it normally is because of all the online back and forth craziness going on. You don't hear that in the news very often. But as a student, as a young teenager, preteen, kid. What if you believe, no, 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 I serve a big, big God. I can get through this. I can come out of this on top. I can fail repeatedly, but God can come through and make up for that. I can even receive divine revelation that can help me out. And I, pray, like, I, I just would pray that there's an anointing over the kids in our, that come to our uh, church here that they would be able to write tests with an increased confidence and increase faith, and that would just affect their academics, and they begin uh, to just thrive in a situation where people aren't right now. Even pray that for uh, our teachers, that they have to get super creative because they're, they're handed a bunch of adversity, they're trying to teach kids, and online is hard, and at least, at least they're back now in, in person right now, but we just pray for that divine creativity and that divine boldness to say, you know what, I serve the greatest teachers, teacher of all time. And he can, the Holy Spirit that lives in with, within me can give me the power to be a supernaturally better teacher, to help this whole, in this strange situation. 
You can have audacious faith in, in relationships. Things have maybe soured over the pandemic because that's very common as well. Some stuff have gotten you know, worse or whatever. And say, no, no, no. God, God can come into the situation and make it better. God can come in and heal broken hearts during this time. It might be your business that's causing a bunch of stress. Do you believe that God can come in and save the day? Is, is that your mindset? Are you in it to win it? There's random businesses that are actually uh, just blossoming during this time. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense sometimes, but that could be you. Do you have the faith that God can show up like that? Do you have the faith that even when all the natural looks terrible, that you just believe in the supernatural, that God can still come through? That's the faith I believe we need right now. We need to choose to fight for that kind of a faith. Any, any thought that comes in that's not like that, we need to kick out. We're not going to go down to the doom and gloom pathway. We're not going to fall into depression and anxiety. We're going to fight for every thought. We're going to fight for every inch of our brain, every inch of our soul. We want faith to inhabit our, our soul. We want faith to inhabit our brain. And I believe when we do this, God's going to do something amazing. I want to believe big for our church. Again, it doesn't really make sense during this time, but I'm going to do it anyways. Some people might think I'm crazy. I'm going to do it anyways. I'm going to be crazier than the craziness that's out there. I'm going to believe big. It might come across as shocking to some. And again, it's extremely rude in the face of the enemy. Oddly enough, Satan's name actually means adversary. You might not think you're in a competition, but you are. He's playing to win. Are you? Someone's going to have to. And again, the beautiful thing is we've got God on our side, and he's infinitely more powerful than Satan ever could be. I believe that God can do something amazing in us personally, in our families, in our congregation, and in our community. It might not look like that in the natural, but I'm going to believe it anyways. I'm going to fight for that belief every day. I believe this belief can put a powerful wind in our sails, that fire in our veins. It can be an anchor to us in the middle of the storm. And again, it gives God something to work with. Hebrews 12.1, another, uh, another famous kind of verse about faith here. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a, such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off every weight that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. See, so believe there should be a difference between believers and non-believers during this time. Science would prove it. When you believe, it's going to make a difference. And I believe that we need to have this audacious faith during this time. That's a huge step to make. But when you do it, it's going to make a world of difference in your life right now. When we were born again, we were born to win. We're in it to win it. And heaven is cheering us on. This is going to be an epic chapter in the story of your life. It can end with it dragging you down into the mud, into the doom and the gloom, or it can end with you triumphing victoriously. It could end, end with you with your hands raised in the air saying you did it and you made it, and you've come out stronger and better. It really can. Scripture is full of God showing up in all sorts of crazy circumstances and defying the odds. We serve a God that defies the odds. 
And that's the God that we, you know, that's the God we need to believe in. The God that is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we could ever ask or imagine. So I just want to end in prayer here this morning. And then we're free to go. But I want you to go with an extra wind in your sails. An extra belief. So that's what I'm going to pray for. Dear Lord, we thank you that you're on our side. And God, as scripture shows us, we know that building faith is a journey. But God, we also know that we can receive a gift of faith. We can receive a supernatural download of faith. So God, that's what we pray for in this morning, in this moment. A supernatural download of faith. God, we recognize faith is what we need. Belief is what we need. God, we want that wind in our sails. We want that fire in our veins. We want that anchor to hold us steady and firm in the middle of this storm. So God, we would ask you for faith. God, as your word says, if you believe it, if you believe you've received it, then you're going to get it. So God, we're just going to believe in this moment that we're going to get a download of faith. Even in the next two minutes, God, I just pray, yeah, I just declare we're going to get a download of faith in the sanctuary. We're going to get an extra wind in our sails. There's going to be extra joy in the middle of these trials. Lord, I even speak to all the negative thoughts of it that have been invading our minds right now. And God, I just declare that they need to go in the name of Jesus. They do not belong in our soul. Our soul was made to be a temple of the Holy Spirit. And fear has no place there. Doubt has no place there. So God, we're just sending up an eviction notice to the fear and the doubt that is plaguing us right now. It says, you've got to go. God, we just speak to depression and anxiety and say, you have no hold over us. We just want to break those, those binds right now. Say, we've been, we've been designed to be people of joy, people of strength, people of patient endurance. God, it's our mission to reach this community, and, and we want to, and to do that, God, that's a huge, huge goal. That's a, that's a tall task. So God, to do that, we're going to need your Holy Spirit. We're going to need this extra wind in our sails. We're going to need this, this extra energy to overcome this adversity that we're facing. So God, we just pray for that. God, I pray in this moment you're just going to pinpoint uh, certain things in people's lives that they need to believe for. Certain things that they need audacious faith for. You can just start with one thing. God, did you just pinpoint that even in this moment and say, I want you to believe. I want you to believe that we can win because you serve a God that's never lost. God, I pray for all of those that are even going to listen to this later online too, that they just have a divine encounter with you as they're, as they're praying and they'd experience just that rushing of wind in their sails, an extra belief, that gift of faith being rained rain down on them, God. God, we, play, we pray for a marked difference between us and the world, between believers and unbelievers. God, I pray that there's going to be an increased confidence in all of us, all of our, in our students, God, um, in, our, in our various professionals, God, in our seniors, God, there'd be a confidence and a belief and a joy that you're going to do big things. God, we just pray over this church. Many churches are floundering and failing during this time, but we're going to believe that we're going to triumph. We believe we're going to grow. We believe, God, we're going to reach people we never thought we could reach. God, we believe we're going to impact this community in ways we couldn't even fathom. God, we, we believe that we're going to even begin to see a harvest of souls 
during this craziness. And Lord, I pray that our faith is going to be so attractive to the world. They're going to want what we have so badly as, as they are stuck in the mud. As they've been pulled into this, this swamp of, of, of terrible thinking and, and just doom and gloom. That they're going to see us as a, as a shining city on a hill. It's a lighthouse illuminating the way. They're going to notice a difference in us. A joy, a strength, a hope, and a peace. God, I don't think it's a coincidence that this message is being delivered on a day that we have an extraordinary cold. Just an extra level of adversity facing our way. I think it's minus 39 with a wind chill. Or if you include the wind chill. So God, I just want to declare that that's just another reminder that we were, we're more than conquerors. That the natural world can throw everything it has at us and we can still triumph. So God, we want to be people that believe. And God, we declare we're going to be people that believe. So God, I pray you're going to be with us as we go. You're going to inspire your congregation and we're going to see a marked difference even today with this brand new mindset. In your name we pray, amen.